five, four, three, two, fun. Welcome to another episode of the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, your premier source for everything to do with the Vancouver Titans. I am Chris at Lightforce, joined in the great beyond by Omni at Omni Strife, uh, Sam at another Sam Chan. He's missing in action. So Sam is in the process of moving where he is Omni here. He has moved. <laughs> and the difference being one has internet and the other does not. Where did he move to? Actually, to be honest, I don't know. Like when he was telling me, yeah, I'm going to put my place on the market. Then he tells me, oh, we sold it. And I'm like, do you have another place? No. He said he moved like further into Coquitlam or something like that. I guess they don't have internet there yet. It's (laughs) further. (laughs) He's gone up the mountain or something like that. He's fighting off grizzly bears with his fists. (laughs) I mean, I can picture that right now. Moving sucks, though. I wouldn't wish it upon my fiercest enemies. Yeah, was you, your, yeah, you did it this weekend, right? Or this yeah, past weekend? I never, never in my life wanted a weekend to end as badly and return to like regular work <laughs> like I did this this weekend. Well, it's funny you mentioned. So first of all, moving in the summer just sucks. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I feel you. When, when my wife and I moved into the place we're in now, uh, the weekend we moved happened to be when uh, like hundred year old heat records were broken <laughs> in uh, in Vancouver. What's interesting is the heat records have been broken many times since then. Yeah, but prior to that, a hundred year heat record was broken. Um, you could fry eggs on the sidewalk. It was blooming hot, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason, obviously it was the weekend we had to move. Yeah. So I, I feel your pain. It is not fun, and, and there's just so much stuff. Like it's just unbelievable the amount of stuff you have to move. I mean. It, to be honest, it's it's like essentially 20 roadhogs full of stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, now my internet is up. My Rhine, my bumper hammer is uh, inflated and I'm ready to go. Sweet, sweet, sweet. And that bumper hammer being inflated is the most important part. For sure. What else has been going on? Well, we wrapped up our Mystery Hero Monday. It was our first ever Ready, Set, Pwn event last night. And I'd like to think uh, we mostly had a good time. I... I'm wondering though, how's Lena doing? Because she seemed to I, I, I reach in here, but you know, she, she's she's super competitive. She's not winning. She's not having fun. I'm trying to like get her to uh, appreciate the game more, but yeah, it, it was rough. And and at the end of the day, it was me who uh, took the brunt of the blame, I guess. Yeah. Well, it was, and I feel bad because by the time I'd noticed it, I mean, in the last few matches, we had gone up against this group that saw us as a six stack. And so they were <laughs> talking some serious trash and chat. Here you have me. I was a DPS Moira, which again, I get that's what Moira is, is a DPS character. But I was, I was actually, you know, taking on two of them at a time. Um, and I, then I went like junk rat on, yeah. on attack. I was just having fun. Cause we, we were in mystery heroes, but as soon as we went into QP, then it, it, it almost seemed like there was a shift that people started to take it seriously. And I felt that I, I was nece- the necessity of let's roll it back and be silly still, mm. but I had a good time. Yeah, definitely. It was fun. 
I think we'll do more of these again. I mean, obviously it's up to you, our listeners, if you're interested, I am still trying to figure out a way to best coordinate these events. You probably noticed, uh, you know, different things in our discord and, and tweets. If you have an idea or you have some experience here, please let us know. Uh, shoot me a, a tweet at ready, set pwn or, or an email feedback at ready, set pwn.com. Uh, I'd be happy to hear your thoughts on how to coordinate something like this, but I, I think we need to do more. And for those of you who happen to play on consoles, specifically the PS4, I will guarantee that we will have a PS4 event at some point. It just gives me an excuse to fire Overwatch up on that. Plus, it gives Sam an opportunity to actually play the game. Uh, as far as Xbox One, though, I can't help you there. There's no way I'm going to buy that game on a third platform. Yeah, we, who knows? Maybe one day we'll have our own team here at RSP. And a criteria by which we're going to pick uh, players for our team is how well he can uh, say, Zarya, 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 Zarya. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, and one other thing I do want to mention, you've probably seen some tweets from us along these lines, uh, but uh, we have some things in the works, uh, hashtag patronage. And we're wondering if there were things that we here at the podcast could do or offer you perks or, or other such uh, goodies, what might they be? What would you be interested in? Obviously we can do almost anything it's just we can't do everything and so our thought is let's reach out to our listeners and uh, see what it is that you'd be looking for access to if it was made available to a really select few within our own community so please uh, shoot us that message in general chat in the rsp discord you can uh, shoot us an email feedback at readysetpone.com or again on twitter at readysetpone but what are we going to talk about this week well the vancouver titans went into the 2-2-2 meta and are 2-0. Oh. That's right. Spoiler alert, they beat both the Dragons as well as the Mayhem, so we're going to recap those matches. <clears throat> we saw some real interesting uh, lineup decisions, which at the time were like, what? And then afterwards, we were like, what? So we'll talk <laughs> a little bit about that. Uh, the Vancouver Titans, they're coming down to the Seattle area. We'll talk about that. And then all everything in the fray. We've got the week that was, the week that will be. We've got some moves. we got some playoff news. 2020 roster news stuff going on in the ptr so you know what let's uh without further ado jump directly into the payload moving the payload join me kicking this straight off the vancouver titans matched up against the shanghai dragons in what we could argue was the grudge match the titans had something to prove and did they ever they beat the shanghai dragons 3-1 in the introduction to the 222 meta. That's right. The triple two is live. The Vancouver Titans did relatively well. But I think what was most interesting about this is when we saw uh, the roster, you know, walk on out to the stage. Who mm -hmm. was it that was in that lineup? Hooreg. Did any one of us have Hooreg coming in instead of a stitch? Yeah. The funny thing is, I did tweet. To the Titans, like unleash the Hureg. I was uh, anticipating him lightly because I remember someone, I think it was Iska from another podcast, who mentioned he talked about scrimbucks and such. And when he mentioned that uh, Vancouver being weaker in a 2 2 2 meta was greatly exaggerated and Hureg was uh, clicking heads and taking names in the process, everybody kind of laughed it off. But I said, well, it, it sounds crazy enough to be real. <laughs> and I was happy to uh, kind of see that it was. It was weird to definitely see uh, Stitch not appear on stage. And we were happy to see him finally uh, play for the Titans uh, 
when when uh, the goats dominance kind of dropped off. But yeah, uh, it was an interesting match to say the least. Dragons, you know, the champs of stage three, and we uh, kind of got him right off the bat. It was a great match. Give me a, a slight heart attack at the start. It was tight throughout the, all all maps really. Yeah, and I mean, you're right. Lijang Tower started off a little rough. We saw the return of Ding on uh, on Afara, and the Vancouver Titans struggled to deal with the pharma- pharmacy uh, combination. I mean, I thought Hurig did really well. You saw him on a Hanzo, mm-hmm. you saw him on a McCree, and when you look at his stats, he actually only had three deaths with his nine eliminations. I mean, he was uh, doing very well. The struggle, mm-hmm. though is Bumper was trying to find his place uh, with an Orisa, and then he went on uh, Hammond, yes. which didn't go so well. Uh, Janu was on on uh, Roadhog, and then he went right. back to his Trident Diva. Like, you saw a lot of sort of mixing and matching. Uh, Haxel uh, didn't come out on Genji. He came out on uh, May, and I actually thought Haxel uh, on May uh, was a little interesting as well. But mm-hmm. again... Dragons were sort of comfortable with the the role that they were going to play, and they they beat the Vancouver Titans 2-0. So, yes, I was a little worried, and I would imagine most of those who belong to the force of nature were as well. But see, that was just one map. The Vancouver Titans then went on to Anubis, where they had some struggles in previous stages. And while they couldn't go and, and... stop the dragons. That's when we started to see Hurig flex a little. Uh, Haxall mm-hmm. went to his tried and true Genji. We had yep. Twilight on Anna, nano boosting the hell out of Haxall. And kid you not, that was a Haxall Hurig carry there. Like those <laughs> two combined uh, to 19, or sorry, uh, not 19. That was out of 19 deaths between the two, they had 56 Elims. So, mm. Again, um, some next level uh, flexing, and the Vancouver Titans then got the uh, the full hold in uh, in uh, the King the overtime, Throw, right? So, uh, well, oh yeah, in overtime, um, right? News. Yeah, the thing is, uh, compared to what we saw in the first map in Li Jiang, where we were kind of, I always come back to the uh, style of play: Are you reactive or are you proactive? And and in that second map in Li Jiang, sorry that I have to go back to that. Uh, previous map we played not really well they tried tracer sombra it didn't really work but finally when it was time for um anubis i i just told lena i told her get ready for the genji show because this is a great genji uh map and we know that Haxel sometimes pl- uh, plays genji even on maps that don't really accommodate mm-hmm. that hero but here i was ready for it and despite young Jin coming up uh, pretty well, he had some uh, nutty moments there on Doomfist and on Junkrat. Haxel was just on another level. And, and that was kind of a theme for this week, really, for the Titans. And even the Winston counter, they directly uh, switched to because of Haxel didn't really work. Uh, even he got uh, slept on one Nanoblade during uh, Time Bank, and that didn't save the Dragons, really. They kind of... Um, stepped it up really after losing the first map they had to get a win there because going down 0-2 to the dragons is not like uh the dragons of old it's it's, it's a really good team gets mm-hmm. really comfortable and and confident in 2-2 so that was a good good win uh Hureg really did uh, step it up at this point i we definitely saw that there is some truth to to uh the rumors uh and john and bumper really uh performed uh better in this map as well on that uh pulled pork or oink and boink um uh, meta yeah i, I again uh, the polls came back it was the uh 
Oink and Yoink. That's Oink and Yoink. Right. Yeah, Boink is a, <laughs> is a Lucio all, player, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that would be a whole different meta with Roadhog and Arissa if there was Boinking going on. Um, <laughs> on Temple of Anubis, at one point, Haxel got hacked and he was still able to get a 3K with two swipes of a sword from the ground. Like it was insane a mercy and hanzo i think yeah together. And, and i think uh and an anna i think like it was it, it he was playing next level so king's row comes out and you know historically in the, the season the vancouver titans have seen this as king's row north but we are seeing this transition well how will they handle not being able to play goats well i'll be damned oink and yoink comes out yeah they they ultimately choked the living life which is i know an oxymoron out of the shanghai dragons but like they had no answer like i was actually shocked because you look at this this map there's a wide open amount of space for your pharmacy and yet ding who got subbed back in because on anubis maybe not the best farm map but ding comes back in as as far he eventually goes and and switches over to a sombra Mm -hmm. He, he had absolutely no impact in fact when you look at king's row Ding had nine elims total with the five deaths. That was it. Nine elims. Now it didn't go entirely too long, but looking at King's row, who led both teams and elims? I will give you one guess. I'm going to, if you're building it up that way, uh, could it be bumper maybe? Oh, it wasn't bumper. It was close. So bumper and Janu both had 12 elims. Okay. So they were tied for second. Mm. Hureg? It wasn't Hureg. Oh. Hmm. I don't know. Probably not Haxel, right? No, it wasn't Haxel. So you, you, so it's one of the process of elimination. <laughs> this is going pretty badly for me. Uh, was it Twilight? Well, obviously either Twilight or Slime. So which of those two? I'll go with Slime. It was Twilight. Ah, oh, I suck Twilight. in this game. I don't want to play this anymore. <laughs> he had 15 <laughs> elims, uh, zero oh. deaths. And it should be noted, both Slime and Twilight on King's Row died zero times. Oh, yeah, it, it, it was very lopsided in King's Row. And you know what? While we are talking about Oink and Boink, we are the biggest bumper fans here in Apologists, I want to mention. But man, even even to me, his play on Orisa is kind of uh, surprising, to say the least. He's playing very controlled and a controlled aggression to his game. Janu, I expected him to dominate on 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 Hog, to to, to be frank, but Bumper has really surprised me um, in in his play. Yeah, well, I mean, we we we're going to talk a little bit more about Bumper and his control play as we get into the mayhem. But uh, the Vancouver mm-hmm. Titans finished the Dragons off five four on Junker Town. Now, this one uh, again was a, a struggle in the early going for the Titans, but once they were able to get a roll, um, they in fact rolled. I, you had Haxel just going ham. You had Hooray mm-hmm. going ham. Uh, you had <laughs> Twilight uh, throwing mustard on said ham. It was. On uh, minced dragon meat. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Uh, And ultimately, again, the Vancouver Titans showed that they were able to adapt. I mean, when we look at that map, at one point, Haxall went on a Hanzo. Um, You saw Twilight run through the gamut of of support heroes. But I think we have to give credit to Bumper and Janu, who played Oink and Yoink, you know, really well on Junkertown. Like, they, they were the two 
that ultimately allowed both Hureg and Haxel uh, to start flexing. And let's give some some plaudits here to the force of bloody Hureg. Oh my. That one point as they were coming through the, the first point in the doors, yeah. you got what? Yeah. Was it a 4K? It was a 5K, yeah. Yeah, it was end. like, I'll click that head, that head, that head. Oh, Mercy's escaping. Oh, I missed her head. Let's go up, click her head. Like, <laughs> it was just unreal. And, and you know, you could just just feel how yeah. much pop there was coming out of Titan's Cord, out of Social. Like, it was unbelievable. People are like, Twitch oh, chat was going mad with Godrag, Godrag, all the pog champs. It's it's. Amazing, because that's that's the drama we love in the Overwatch League, right? When you see that redemption story of Hureg, who kind of became a meme, really, with the force of Hureg. Mm-hmm. How great is that, that he was able to actually go on and pop off like that? Because it doesn't matter what your history is or what people think of you. If you're clicking heads like this, oh, it's going to take you far. Well, let's talk about clicking heads, because after they beat the Dragons 3-1, they had to face the Florida Mayhem. And the as far as our podcast is concerned, I mean, we saw this as, as being a win. I mean, there wasn't really any worry about the mayhem tripping the Titans up. It was more that could the Titans trip themselves up? Well, we were, you know, fine. It was a four. We had, <laughs> yeah. we had the, the Titans essentially give a, a, a map on Li Zhang. Like, yes, you know, that, that was a little bit odd. I mean, it should have been a two Oh, but the Titans, you know, gave ma'am one. It was like, maybe they needed to stretch things out a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, it, the character selection was a little bit weird, but whatevs it worked out. You had the Vancouver Titans then go on to Anubis two one. at no point where we ever worried about the Titans, not getting the win there. Uh, Blizzard world came around again, the Vancouver Titans handled the Florida mayhem without really any trouble. In fact, the Florida mayhem getting that one, <laughs> you know, again, it, it happened more because the Titans made mistakes yeah. more than the mayhem actually succeeded. Yeah. I'm, I mean, Saya player kind of popped off there on the Cree for that one map. And on Lee Jung, they had one good fight in them with May, May and Reaper. But other than that, it kind of went, went downhill uh, for them. Can we just talk a little bit about that blade in Anubis where Haxel just went first floor? Kill Liana. Then, oh, wait, where are they? They're on second floor. I'll go up there and I'll just slash us two more people. Holy moly. You know, actually, and I let's not take take much away the fact that you notice that he does dive into the support line, but he immediately goes after the tanks. Like if support somehow escapes, he doesn't chase. It just turns around. He's like, okay, well, I'll just nano blade the tanks to death. And once the tanks go down, then it's just mop up duty. Like he, he is able to like do things with, uh, with Genji. I'm gonna, I was about to call the character Haxel because that's pretty much what we're going to have to at this point. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it just, you know, again, blew my mind uh we had actually i I was joking around Uh, first of all titan's cord was was pretty quiet during the mayhem match i was intrigued Hmm. by that normally the the match discussion channel it's pretty much hopping like it's hard to keep up you you turn to watch the match come back and there's a thousand missed messages so against the Hmm. mayhem is a little bit less than that but at one point we were joking how the only way for the overwatch league and the teams that the vancouver titans are going to face uh, to deal with Haxel is to have Uncle Jeff come out with a developer update to suggest that he's going to get nerfed himself. Oh, please no! It, yeah, it, it's like uh, season one when they nerfed 
uh, Zenyatta because of Jonak. It might happen. I think it could have happened if we had the same meta for like uh, more than one stage, really. But it's insane. Like when he goes for a Dragon Blade, normally you would see even top ranked players that would go up, right? They always go up to kind of locate all the supports, all the characters that you have, and then they dash from one to another. And he kind of he's like a shark who smells like a drop of blood in a huge uh, ocean. He knows where they are. He has a radar. I don't know what he has, but he is so efficient. Even when it looks like there's nobody around him, oh, he'll find them. Even when his blades appear to be super bad or scuffed, he kind of comes up with like at least three kills. Totally insane. And I'm not suggesting that they're going to go out and nerf Genji. I'm actually suggesting they're going to nerf Hacksaw. Oh, they did. They nerfed Brig, right? (laughs) They forced them to do uh, the two-to-two lock. Yeah, so then they'd have to nerf Genji. Then they'll have to nerf uh, (laughs) Mei. I mean, so again, at some point in time, it's not a character nerf. It's an actual player nerf. And so as we had shared on Twitter, uh, Uncle Jeff is going to share in a dev update. We've discovered that Haxel is too overpowered. So we'll be reducing his skill by tying an arm behind his back and blindfolding him. We feel this will bring him on par with other heroes (laughs) in-game. And he will still dominate. Yeah, no kidding, eh? Well, we can, we can try that at least against uh, Washington uh, Justice. <laughs> Which we'll talk about momentarily. But before we do, I want to call some attention here to Junkertown. So at this point in time, the Vancouver Titans already have this one in the bag. You know, uh, Junkertown is the Rialto of the match. And the Vancouver Titans, as we've seen, have some fun. Now, I, actually, I was remiss. Another lineup uh, change had occurred in this. Uh, we saw Repel go in for Twilight for the entire uh, round, or not mm-hmm. round, the entire uh, match against the Mayhem. So Twilight comes out, uh, Repel goes in, Repel did fine, really no difference, quite frankly. So maybe Twilight needed some rest, maybe they needed to get Repel into the uh, into some playing time, which is also good, because you want to be you know nice and loose uh, as they go into the playoffs. But back to Junkertown. Near the end of Junkertown, it was essentially a free-for-all, except for Bumper, who was just riding the payload, being a good (laughs) quality, you know, controlled tank, doing his thing, playing the objective. Like, who would have ever thought that Bumper would have been the guy that would have just been on the payload, having a good time? At one point, I was surprised that he didn't get the, you know, the activity warning. Like he yeah, didn't, he didn't have to move. <laughs> they were so preoccupied with the rest of the players, like probably hiding from uh, Haxel or something like that. It was awkward, really. A uh, moment of uh, mental lapse there. Yeah. So the Vancouver Titans, with those two wins, have put themselves in a phenomenal position to not only clinch the first seed in the Pacific but to actually clinch the first seed overall. Now, there is a number of different scenarios that need to come into play, but simply put, the magic number for the Vancouver Titans right now to clinch the Pacific seed is two. The magic number to clinch the first seed overall is three. And for those of you who are not familiar with the, the concept of the magic number, it's essentially a combination of wins and or losses uh, based on teams. So for the Pacific, the magic number being two is a combination of Titans wins and shock losses. So if the Titans win one and the shocks lose one, that's a combination of two. That's the magic number. Titans go through. As mm-hmm. far as clinching the first overall, it's a combination of Titans wins, shock losses, and Excelsior losses. 
Excelsior is already on that trajectory. <laughs> we yeah. just have to wait and see what goes on in the shot. And again, the Vancouver Titans are in a really good position because who is it that they go and play this week? Well, it's the overpowered Washington Justice. Oh, <laughs> overpowered. Sorry. I think I got that backwards. Uh, I, I don't even know what to say about this. Like, I, I'd like to say I feel for the Washington Justice. I truly do. But I know Sam right now, he's listening to this podcast. And he's like, I can't believe you care about anyone because Sam has no heart. But we have the Justice and they're going to be playing us in Ilios, a strong Titans map, Volskaya Industries, a strong Titans map, Hollywood, a strong mm-hmm. Titans map. And then at least they get Havana. Mm, that's true. That's true. Well, they at least got a win against uh, Toronto Defined to be kind of happy about that. So they started uh, the stage well, but I don't see a lot of uh, hope for them against the Titans. And, you know, we would be remiss to not mention the Washington Justice have nothing to truly play for. They're playing for 2020 at this point. The Washington Justice are one of two teams that are currently completely out of the playoffs, like no hope. The only other team completely out of the playoffs, the Florida Mayo. Yeah. So if you're Washington, you're playing for next season. And while that might be enough motivation, the Vancouver Titans are playing for now. And not to suggest that they have the San Francisco sort of shock lockdown where like for essentially the better part of stage two, the shock were playing with a chip on their shoulder. The Vancouver Titans have suddenly started to play with maybe a, a sense of urgency or determination. And with this change in meta, there doesn't seem to be any reason why the Vancouver Titans are going to take their foot off the gas. I think they're going to actually hit it hard on the justice. So this is going to be a four Oh in my mind for the Vancouver Titans. I think so too. It seems like when they're up against uh, weaker opponents, they don't ever like play down to their level. They just want to, you know, finish it quickly, go back to their team house, whatever rest, uh, and prepare to the next one. So with that win, those magic numbers start to shrink and potentially depending on what happens over the course of the weekend, it is conceivable that the Vancouver Titans lock things down this weekend, which would be awesome. I mean, hell, I think the Vancouver Titans are what? Map differential right now of positive 60? Yes. Like, again, what the what? That's unreal. I think they're a pretty good team. Yeah, they're not bad. I think they got a they're, shot, you know. Yeah, I think they they uh, they would beat our sixth stack from uh, yesterday. No, get out of <laughs> here. <laughs> Anyhow, let's talk a little bit about uh, some other news that uh, came down the pipeline uh, this week about the Vancouver Titans. And that is for those of you who happen to live south of the border. In fact, do you happen to live in the Seattle area or potentially in such an area that getting to Seattle isn't too difficult? Well, the Vancouver Titans announced that they will be having a meet and greet in Seattle on Saturday, August 17th. Now, the tickets for this meet and greet start at 10 bucks US. So that $10 amount is actually similar to what it would have been up here. The difference being the US dollar component. Ooh. And uh, they have said that Bumper, Somansu, Twilight, and Stitch, as well as Harsha from the Vancouver Titans are going to be coming to virtual sports in Seattle. I looked up the venue. It's actually a pretty cool, uh, cool looking venue there. 
Now, I can't say with any form of insight if that's the only people that are going to be coming out to this event. It does seem like an odd list of names to to share, but I'm going to presume they will be there. Uh, doors open at 1230. Titans still have a Q&A at 1. They have a VIP signing at uh, 145 and then general admission signing at 215. So what's the difference between VIP and GA? Well, the GA ticket, that's 10 bucks. The VIP ticket, that's 75 US. And it not only gets you guaranteed access, gets you the VIP access and signing uh, period, but you're also going to take home a limited edition Titans Herschel backpack, which assuming it's similar to the backpacks we saw at uh, earlier Titan events in Vancouver, uh, it's a good looking, uh, good looking backpack. And I know there's already been a few people in Titan Squad that have said uh, they're picking it up. But uh, Omni, are you going to make the trip down to the US by chance? Oof, I don't know. That's 75 US. That's kind of like, I don't know, 200 uh, Canadian. That's a bit rough. That's that's a whole lot of double doubles you'd have to be uh, given up <laughs> on. Definitely. The uh, I, I've actually I've talked over with wife. You know, we've, we've been thinking that we might uh, go down. I mean, we've, we've actually been looking at a, a quick weekend getaway. And so I've sort of sold it as, hey, we could go down. I just do this for this period of time. And then we'd have a good time. So, hey, you know, you might see Ready Set Pwn in the in the house. We'll uh, we'll let you know whether we'll be there um, mm. closer to the the date because again, a lot of moving things here. Being that uh, we're all up here in Canada, and you know, coming down to uh, Seattle like, carries with it some cost. And uh, unlike other podcasts out there, uh, we don't have oodles and oodles of cash just to pony up. But I know there are people in the Vancouver area who are going to be driving down. There's already been conversation about uh, people getting together in a group and and heading down. So I think that's that's pretty cool. Sweet. I think that's really nice. Like uh, we saw some people coming out down from Seattle when they first arrived to Vancouver. So why not? And one other thing that I think we should mention is they did talk about there being cool prizes to be available to be won at the event. Now at Vancouver Titans events here in town, uh, prizing has been things like uh, Titan skins in game, uh, merch and jerseys and what have you, which is all pretty cool. But for those of you who go to the Seattle event who don't happen to live in Metro Vancouver, you might be thinking, oh man, when the homestand events happen in 2020, it'd be so nice to go, but it's tough to get up there because there's a cost involved and all that jazz. The Vancouver Titans are going to be, uh, as part of, you know, a, you know, giveaway, uh, uh, have prizes, including tickets and accommodations to the first homestand at Rogers arena in 2020. Hmm. So that's like some next level prizes there. We don't get a prize like that here in Vancouver. So, Hey, we don't. Yeah, you guys are lucky. But uh, you know what? Let's take a quick break here as we normally do uh, before transitioning into the fray. Hey, Force of Nature faithful, this is your favorite Vancouver Titans podcast host, Chris at Lightforce here, and I've got a question for you. Do you happen to be looking for an esports jersey designer? Well, you need to check out TimberflynnConcepts.com. That is actually Timber Flynn, who you might know on the Vancouver Titans Discord or through social media, and he designed some of the best esports jerseys that I've ever seen. Now, these unique designs that he creates also come for a very low price because he understands that esports organizations can't always afford that much. So really, you pay what you can. You can't get a better deal than that. Now, he can't physically print the jerseys. You're still on the hook to get that done, but the designs themselves have been used by Overwatch World Cup teams for promotional aspects, 
the University of Louisiana Fayette, and professional soccer teams. So again, check out TimberflameConcepts.com for all your esports jersey needs. sorry, not thinking, but actually looking back to the week that was, uh, we didn't have, you know, too much going on. I mean, much of what we saw here ultimately panned out to be the way that uh, we had expected. Uh, there were a couple close matches, um, unlike sort of in stage where we saw a lot of one-sided uh, matches. Thankfully, um, we didn't do too badly in our picks. Um, but uh, again, let's just sort of recap what we saw. So on uh, Thursday, kicking off uh, week one of stage four, you had the Paris Eternal beating the Houston Outlaws 3-1. Gladiators, they beat the New York Excelsior 3-1. That was the match that all three of us had picked. And I actually still think it was a good one. It also showed us that New York isn't maybe making that transition to the 2-2-2 as well as others may have expected. Yeah, the same guy who uh, kind of leaked the Hureg show uh, kind of alluded to the fact that New York is looking pretty weak. Uh, but you forgot to mention that I picked another game, which was well, pretty I, I haven't gotten there. Nice. I haven't gotten there yet. That would be the next game. So you had the Guangzhou oh, okay, Charge okay. and the Philadelphia Fusion. Uh, they, this was a slobber knocker. It was 3-2 to the Charge. Uh, but I got what I wanted. And you, I got what I wanted. And you picked that. You had told us, no, I think there's something here. And uh, you were bang on. Like, this was a really good match to watch uh, in lead to the Vancouver Titans beating the Shanghai Dragons 3-1. I was impressed. No, but I uh, like the Guangzhou Charge in Philly game that I picked as well. What's the one for, I was just uh, talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we saw Fraggy and Bishu at the end, that mm-hmm. was worth it. That was really nice. You know, and, and you know, Fraggy coming in, uh, and that was actually, wasn't that on Saturday when Fraggy and Bishu came in? Uh, in their second game? Uh, no. The first they, one? I can't it, remember. I'm, I just, I, I enjoyed well, seeing Fraggy been. and Bishu on, on stage. You know what? You might be right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry about that. It's all good. I, I won't hold it against you. Too much, too much boxes, and then then the heavy lifting kind of uh, clouded my mind. It happens. On Friday, the Washington Justice beat the Toronto Defiant three one, as you had mentioned earlier. Uh, Sam was was uh, <laughs> uh, jubilant in in his uh, response to this result. <laughs> the Bears, the Bears updated him on the on the result. They did. Uh, London Spitfire beat the Dallas Fuel three one. San Francisco Shock beat the Seoul Dynasty three uh, one. It, it wasn't maybe as good of a match as we had hoped it would be. Uh, it also showed us the Shocker making that transition to two two two, but they they completely changed the roster. Like you have Super mm-hmm. who went to the bench, uh, Sinatra who kind of go into the bench. Like it, it was a completely different lineup. Risky. And then uh, the Chengdu Hunters uh, beat the Philly Fusion three two. So the Philly Fusion had a rough go in Week One. They they oh, gave yeah. it their all. And they lost both in a, in a fifth match. So you kind of got a feel for them. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, Saturday, the uh, LA Valiant beat the Paris Eternal 3-2. That was a good way to kick off the weekend. The Guangzhou Charge rolled the Boston Uprising 4-0. Poor Boston. Uh, wasn't even close. Uh, Houston uh, beat the Glads 3-1. This was the match that uh, you and I had picked. And then Sam got to watch the Atlanta Reign beat the Hangzhou Spark uh, 3-1. I- I'll be honest, neither one of those matches really in my mind, was all that compelling. I was a little disappointed that the uh, was Glads wasn't any closer than it was. but Surprisingly so, yeah. And then on Sunday, the Shanghai Dragons beat the Seoul Dynasty 3-1. Uh, we picked this, uh, all three of us, thinking that it would be relatively even. We also uh, obviously you know, had to give some love to the fact that the Shanghai Dragons won Stage 3. And I think yeah. that they took the lessons that they learned against the Titans on the Thursday and put them in play on the Sunday because they look to be a different team, uh, more confident and yeah. in, in carrying the play, making, you know, making soul adapt to them, which again led to their yeah, success. Well, soul doesn't have an, a Hurig, so it's kind of tough <laughs> to expect them to win. Uh, London Spitfire beat the Toronto Defiant 3-1. Our Vancouver Titans beat the Florida Man 4 as we already talked about. And then the match following, the Chengdu Hunters beat the Boston Uprising 3-2. So for those keeping score at home, we had a 3-2 every day of week one. I don't recall that happening in any previous stage. Mm-hmm. It may have. I'm not going back to go and check because I'm just darn lazy. Yeah. But... People who tuned in got their money's worth. Yeah, it's definitely entertaining. People are still trying to figure out what to play, when to play it. Uh, did you, uh, by any chance, uh, tune in to get to your Twitch picks, Twitch picks or whatever tokens? I had something picks. Uh, f- for the most part, it was uh, just the MVP selection for me. Uh, I did answer one question at one point but i i completely forgot what it was to be honest yeah it was it was having some issues over the course of the weekend yeah. uh depending on where you were watching and what platform you were using uh had some great. issues some people were able to log in but then couldn't claim their rewards it was crazy um, but it is a beta and they're rolling it out now probably as a mechanism as we talked about in the last episode to look at generating ancillary revenue uh in 2020 but let's uh, talk about the week that will be. So setting up week two on Thursday, we've got the Guangzhou Charge against the London Spitfire, the Florida Mayhem and the Washington Justice, the Shanghai Dragons and the Toronto Defiant, and the LA Valiant and Seoul Dynasty. And both you and I have decided that the Charge Spitfire match is the only one of those three worth t- tuning into. Uh, Sam uh, didn't get back to us because, again, he's busy fighting bears. Yeah, it looks like a good match between two um, undefeated teams. I'm uh, always when I watch Eileen play, I, something small tingles in my heart because that's probably the only pro that I ever uh, faced in a match in Overwatch. So it always cool to me, and I'm looking forward to see him, him and Nero play against Prophet and Birdring. Uh, it'll be a tight match, I think. On Friday, you've got the Paris Eternal and the New York Excelsior, the Philly Fusion and the Houston Outlaws, the LA Gladiators and the Chengdu Hunters and the Hangzhou Spark and the Guangzhou Charge. Now, you chose Excelsior Eternal. I chose Charge Spark. So I I just want to give you some insight as to why I chose Charge Spark. It had everything to do with the fact that I think both of those teams are currently playing for playoff position. And I think they more equally match up in the meta. I did contemplate the Excelsior Eternal only because I'm genuinely curious is what we saw in week one, you know, the aberration 
for the Excelsior, or is it going to be the actual recurring theme and how they'll treat and this for, And from Paris as well, I think, when they beat uh, Houston, also uh, pretty surprising. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I'll give you that, unless there's some other reason as to why you picked them. I, I contemplated. I just felt Charge Spark is the more compelling matchup there. Mm-hmm. On Saturday, the Atlanta Rain take on the Paris Eternal. The Florida Man take on the London Spitfire. Dallas Fuel take on the LA Valiant. And we have the LA Gladiators and the San Francisco Shock, which uh, both you and I picked as the match to watch. Now, I look at it in so much as I'm curious what the Shock will roll out. And two, will the LA Gladiators be able to handle what San Francisco is actually serving up? I also feel that this has some implication because I see this as a potential win for the Gladiators, which in turn starts to play into the magic numbers a little bit. Yep. And on Sunday, we've got the Atlanta Ring, Houston Outlaws, Philly Fusion, Toronto Defiant, your Vancouver Titans and Washington Justice, and the Chengdu Hunters and New York Excelsior. Both you and I chose the Rain and Outlaws. I'll be honest, this was more of a, well, I know I'm tuning into one of them because the Titans play, but I got to pick another, huh? <laughs> definitely. Well, it's definitely not Toronto versus Philadelphia. I mean, Chengdu and uh, New York could also be interesting, but I want to see Atlanta and Houston. Both teams are kind of on the uprise in this meta, and I definitely want to see some uh, cool moments in that game. I think they'll play uh, pretty loose. Yeah, well, and I, I I agree. It'll probably be be you know some loose play, but I, again, I, I picked it because you had picked it, and I decided, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to yeah, pick any I, other one here. People just follow my lead, you know? Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about some Overwatch League moves. Uh, Munchkin, uh, DPS uh, with Soul. Well, he and the uh, Soul Dynasty have mutually agreed to terminate his contract. Uh, so what this means is Munchkin, Munchkin is now a free agent who cannot play in the remainder of the uh, Overwatch League season because the signing deadline has come and gone. Now, the decision to mutually terminate contract uh, was to uh, give him more options to his future career. And he had, uh, Munchkin himself had said he'd be working hard to join a new team next season. Uh, Surprised by this move? Honestly, I'm not surprised by anything happening in Seoul. Their team is so oddly managed, both in terms of uh, roster decisions and player movements. I appreciate the fact for Munchkin that they kind of allow him to uh, seek out the market, especially considering all the different changes coming uh, for Season 3. But to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised to see them you know, part ways or, or players retiring, whatever you want to call that oddity of uh, players just leaving a team but mm-hmm. if i'm surprised not really no no and in fairness munchkin hasn't seen uh the light of the stage since week three of stage three and you look yeah. at the the dynasty lineup you've got fleta fits and uh illicit as well still on the dps uh side of things in a 2-2 meta that's a whole lot of dps players who are mm-hmm. fighting for two spots so I, I see logic in that move but again with what soul has been rolling out sort of in the first three weeks i it occurred to me that they had two or three different teams. Yeah, uh, they don't even know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Leave, who is DPS, uh, he's going to be joining Shanghai Dragons as a contracted talent or as contracted talent. So what does contracted talent mean? I'd never heard this term. 
Well, in the grand scheme of things with the Overwatch League, that is the term that is used when a player is under contract but doesn't happen to be of age to play in the Overwatch League. I guess it would be relatively similar to like the role that uh, uh, you know some of the the stream team would would uh, have uh, you know within some of the different teams and, and what have you. But ultimately, leave DPS player underage right now will be joining uh, the uh, Shanghai Dragons to prepare for the 2020 season. You've got uh, some fun things going on in London. So for the second season in a row, their head coach has uh, left. <laughs> this year, Coach 815 uh, has left London, uh, which didn't seem to slow them down last year. But again, kind of odd when your head coach leaves before the end of a season. Yeah. When did Bishop leave them last season? Oh, it was, I want to say it was stage three. Yeah, and as I recall, it was like a family issue, something like that personal. It wasn't really a, a professional decision. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of odd. They're kind of uh, improving now, uh, considering we're going into this meta. Maybe there's some management issues. Like we, with the huge amount of transparency, uh, and that's super, super sarcastic, we can't really know anything. We're just getting, uh, you know, the tips of uh, whatever is happening, but behind the scenes, who know? Unless you're like uh, the spark, <laughs> yeah. Well, who brings out all that dirty loan laundry so, out there? We don't really know. And I, I didn't put that into our our uh, our rundown because I'm like, do we do we need to go and, and talk about this? So for those that don't know, uh, we had mentioned this. I think it was an episode or two ago that uh, Crystal had taken a leave of absence. Uh, to deal with some family matters and would be returning in time for stage four. And, yeah. uh, you know, that we left it at that. Well, since that time, Crystal did not return when he was supposed to, and the uh, spark came out uh, under the guise of transparency. I mean, it was pretty transparent because what did they do? They took all of this dirty laundry and they put it up in the window for everyone to see. Uh, apparently crystal had not returned when he was supposed to had not contacted the team to ask for an extension. Um, the team had offered to sort out visa issues. Uh, he had responded. Crystal says, I don't know that I or didn't know. I had to talk to the team. I'm having troubles with my visa. Like again, weird. Like, I, I don't want to sound like a hypocrite because here I am uh, complaining about lack of transparency. And there we have like Hangzhou uh, putting it all out there. I, I guess I had more issue with how it was phrased and presented mm -hmm. kind of an unprofessional, really emotional sounding like, a, oh, he didn't return. And we try to get it. like, dude, just write. Maybe it was something that was lost in translation. And then to uh, add insult to injury, he replies to them to that tweet instead of like I know reaching out to someone in management or a coach or something. Well, if you're, I mean, again, he's still he's a kid, so yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like people need to realize this is like their first job. Imagine like there's a lot of money involved, but that's like your first ever job and sometimes kids are not aware of what is expected of you or if you take a leave of absence maybe if you need to extend it you should reach out to somebody but yeah it, it's it, it's weird yeah. um what do you think I, uh I, I i i'm you're right 
I think you and I are both being hypocritical when we say we want more transparency. And with this situation, we're like, whoa, you know, put your pants back on <laughs> far too much transparency. Yeah. I, I get it though. Like I think the, the approach should have been from the team. If they needed to publicly go and say something is, uh, you know, crystal has broken, um, team rules with the team, blah, blah, blah. It's being dealt with internally, right? Like mm. you don't go out and say, we're going to go and justify all of this stuff that you don't actually know about yet quite yet. Or if you do, you haven't really known about it for very long. Like it just, it, it went from like, Hey, you know, are you feeling well? And suddenly the person giving you their, you know, entire, you know, health history. It was like <laughs> weird concept. Anyhow, oh, that's, it reminds me of a good episode in the office. <laughs> Uh, other moves that happened in the uh, Overwatch League. Uh, Shu, who is an analyst for the San Francisco Shock, well, he's leaving. He found the workload to be uh, too significant uh, and ha- has uh, decided to, to leave so that he can, you know, uh, take care of himself. Uh, the Guangzhou Charge have signed Curry Shot as a strategic coach. Um, it should be noted that uh, they are slowly starting to adapt the roster, and he is their first sort of non coach. Uh, he comes from Revival. Uh, cookie. So normally, and this is something I, we don't normally talk about. We don't go into the world of contenders too much. It's not something we, we deal with just because one, uh, the Vancouver Titans don't have an academy uh, team. So therefore for us, it's, it's something we only touch on from time to time, but there's some, some very, you know, strong correlation here to the Overwatch League as well as the Vancouver Titans because Cookie, who's formerly of the Los Angeles Valiant and the Soul Dynasty, he's joined Runaway as their coach. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who listen to this podcast and you don't know who Runaway is, <laughs> let me tell you, uh, it's uh, what people continue to refer to as the Vancouver Titans, quote unquote, uh, unofficial academy team, which may not be the case in 2020, which we'll get to a little bit later on. Yep. I mean, it, it was his, uh, actually his last stop before he, um, he, he played, I think, uh, for... MVP space and he, they, they, they lost to run away. Maybe there's a connection there. I'm not sure, but it's a natural transition for esports players. And that guy is, he's uh, 28, which is in, in esports oh, gosh. Uh, terms. It's like, he's, he's like, he's, he's my old. Yeah. He's older. Than me. It's, it's nuts. So all the, all the luck to him. Yeah. Other things that are going on in the overwatch league. Well, we talked a little bit about the season playoffs in our last episode to set up what was going to be happening. Uh, and, and we sort of broken it down like there is a, a, a play on so on and so forth. So I thought I'd just do a quick review because, hey, it's like the Overwatch League listens to the Ready, Set, Poem podcast. They came out with a, a playoffs primer post. So let's go through this again. First and foremost, because as with any league, this is what you're apt to do. They're going to introduce the new Hero Sigma and patch 1.39, which is currently on the PTR, into the playoffs. Like, first of all, what? But whatever. I mean, they completely changed the rules of the game going into stage four. Uh, 1.39 is not only Sigma, but it's what we're seeing to some of the hero uh, changes in yeah. uh, the PTR right now. And that makes sense because like a brig is functionally broken uh, in this sort of new world. Um, we're seeing some other changes and we'll talk more about some of the changes in the PTR a little bit later. Uh, as far as the plane is concerned. So technically speaking, 12 of the teams in the Overwatch League will make the playoffs, but the playoffs are actually two-tier. What's going to happen first is teams 12 through 7 will have a play-in, and those teams will play in for two spots to join teams 6 through 1. 
into the actual double knockout playoff. And that's what's key is that the actual playoffs will be double knockout, which means you need to lose twice to be eliminated from the playoffs in that round. Now, a further asterisk to that, the grand final is single knockout. So it is conceivable that the team that wins the grand final will have lost the same number of matches as the team that comes in second. Hmm. I get the reason why they're doing that. It's just having grown up in a world of sports where the double knockout has been a thing. The final was always a final and then a second final if necessary. But right. Anywho. Uh, It's, it's interesting. Like, um, more games. I can't complain with the lack of a uh, stage playoff in season four. I would definitely be on the lookout of those uh, playing uh, tournaments as well. Yeah. And again, if you have been living uh, somewhere that uh, doesn't have the internet, like Sam, the grand finals are going to be at the Wells Fargo center in Philadelphia. I know there are a lot of people that are looking to go down there. In fact, there's quite a few people from the Titan squad that are all getting together in a group to head down. Um, and I think they're actually going in a group with some other uh other fans from other teams. I know uh, the Defiant uh, uh, supporters group, uh, Alpha Flight, has got a few going. I think they're connecting with the uh, people from Titan Sports. So it'll be a, a good happening time out there in uh, Philadelphia. One other note about the uh, grand final, but more specifically the playoffs themselves. There is a whole lot of money involved now. Not as much money as that kid won by winning Fortnite <laughs> this weekend. Was it 3.3 million? Like he, he won the most money in in like any sports championship any sports, yeah. like plus he doesn't, he doesn't really have to share it with five hour teammates so that's cool yeah but uh for the overwatch league uh, pri- uh prize pool in the playoffs so the the winning championship team they're going to take home 1.1 million uh the runner-up is 600,000 third place 450 fourth 350 fifth and sixth are 300,000 seventh and eighth 200,000 and everyone else gets the trombone uh other news that's come down the uh the pipeline so 2020 owl rosters so there are a number of things in the uh effort of transparency that the overwatch league has decided to share with us so let's talk about some important dates september 30th the day after the grand final is when the signing window will open for teams to deal with their own players. So they'll be able to go and um, fulfill options with players. They wish to keep uh, sign players on their own roster to new deals. If they are uh, of need of one and ultimately make that determination as to who they are going to keep. October 7th is when free agent contracts and trades can start to be submitted to the league. Now what's important about that date is that that doesn't mean you actually have the ability to sign a player per se, because November 11th is when the 2019 contracts end. So October 7 is when you can start to, okay, these are the free agents and I can go and get contracts with them, but they can't be part of my team until such time as November 11th. Okay, fine. November 15th is the deadline that teams have to have a minimum of eight players under contract. So in that four day window of the end of a contract to the start of a new one, they need to get eight players. I don't think that'll be a big deal for most teams, but it's something to note. And June 15th, 2020 is the end of the sign or trade period for the 2020 season. So similar to how Munchkin can't play with another Overwatch League team for the remainder of 2019, 
it would be after June 15th. And I think it's like June 15th at like 5 p.m. Uh, when, you know, players, if they're not signed or traded for by that point, uh, are either stuck on the roster they're on or not going to play for anyone else. I'm looking forward to it. Like the Overwatch off season is so, 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 so long. I, I, I really suffered through it when we got the announcements for uh, Overwatch League season two. Man, it was grueling to wait for so long. But you can expect a lot of like players changing teams and a lot of hype because remember when the inaugural season started, players basically signed to either a one year or they could extend for two years. So. I essentially making everybody on 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 uh, Overwatch League. Well, not everyone, but a lot. The majority of, of players will be free agents, and yeah, it'll be an insane um, period of time. At least we'll have something to talk about in our pod. Yeah, and you also put it in perspective as well. Like the grand final in season one just happened. Yeah. Right. So, and there was that huge period of time when there's talk of expansion. There's all the rumors as to who would get a team. Suddenly Vancouver had one ready, set, pwn. Ta-da! Just showed up all of a sudden. It was all sorts of good times. This year, yeah. you're right. We won't have as significant a gap and it gives us some material to talk about over the course of the off season. Let's talk about some more things about 2020 that came out in the pipeline. So uh, contenders and Academy roster rules have been shared. So first and foremost, they, uh, uh, things haven't really changed too much. Uh, contenders rosters are capped at eight players. Uh, teams can reach out to all contenders players to arrange tryouts and negotiate contracts. Uh, signings of a contenders player is subject to the payment of a buyout fee, which is kind of funny. It carries no set minimum, but the buyout is capped at a hundred percent of the player's average annual base salary in the Overwatch League, plus any applicable signing bonuses, uh, and as well as any contractual limitation of fees, blah, 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 blah. And then the league office may institute a select blackout windows during each season to minimize the disruption of competition. So, and then just for those, they're curious, like, well, why would they have a blackout? I'll use the NHL as a good example. It's one that I'm familiar with, the National Hockey League. Typically speaking, uh, during the Stanley Cup playoffs, so the equivalent, the hockey equivalent to the grand finals, there are no team announcements because the NHL wants the focus to be on the two teams looking for the Stanley Cup. There's stuff going on. It's just nothing is shared until after the, the cup is awarded. So that's not mm-hmm. new. But what is changing in 2020 now is that contenders teams affiliated with an Overwatch League organization must compete in the same geographic region as their parent team to be eligible for an academy team designation. Hmm. If an Overwatch League team wishes to operate a contenders affiliate in a different geographic region, they may do so subject to the following qualifications. That the Overwatch League organization has to to have meaningful local infrastructure in place. And the Overwatch League organization will not receive any academy team benefits, including, but not limited to, exercising the right to match player contract offers. Teams that previously held academy team status and then transferred to a new region may have grandfathered academy team rights for a limited window of time. So, Philadelphia Fusion with Funi U probably is part of the grandfathered team bit there, but that's interesting. So, what does that mean for the Vancouver Titans? Well, currently, the quote-unquote unofficial academy team is Runaway. For the Titans to have Runaway take over, um, the local infrastructure in place... I don't know if that means in Korea or in Vancouver. So could it be that they want to ensure that a team's just not creating a farm system that I don't know, but it's the Academy team benefits, 
which means if let's say runaway was the academy team they don't have the right to match if another team were to come in and offer a contract and then i don't believe the two ways work in that regard but again that's the part i don't quite yeah. understand it's an odd one for sure like you make this rule which i get all right you want to lock it to the region but why then do this weird uh loophole for them to benefit may not get the benefits which i'm sure the teams who really want to exploit it will find like ways to do that under the table or something like that it's odd just either get rid of that limitation or put it strictly on top of every team i don't know the reasoning behind it other things uh, that came out uh, is the right to match clause so the right to match clause allows uh, overwatch league teams to have a clause in a player contract that says if you're on our, our academy team or our contenders academy team that if another team comes and offers you a contract we have the right to match said contract if we elect not to and we have seven days from the date of that contract submission to do so then you can be bought out from us. So it's protecting the investment um, and giving the teams the opportunity to say, Hey, you know what you want them. You got to come through us. And actually we want them to like, but it also prevents teams from hoarding talent, but not giving them an opportunity to actually showcase themselves. Yeah. Kind of like a rookie uh, contract, like a restricted free agent, really. And if there was any confusion about what a two way player was in 2019, well, guess what? There is an evolution to the two-way player contract happening in 2020. So it's a three-way. It's yeah, pretty much. It's 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 getting to the level where we have to go to a different type of podcast to talk about it. <laughs> um, so ultimately, teams and players they actually can negotiate the right to designate players as eligible to compete on any affiliated contenders team, and any player on the roster may agree to be eligible for contenders play, but a maximum of four players may be designated as two-way players at given time. Okay, if you're following along so far, the magic number is four, and two-way means up to contend or down to contenders, up to owl. Now, two-way players become eligible to compete in contenders subject to these rules. Regardless of whether they play, they count towards a roster limit, and they have to earn the same salary and benefits. So in the professional leagues, typically a two-way contract has you, for the most part, unless you negotiate it, a salary that pays you big bucks with the big club and small bucks with the small club. What this is going to require is that you make big club money, regardless of which team you play for. And those two way players count towards the eight player roster limit for weeks in which the Kinders team designates them as eligible to compete, which could potentially create a problem. Suddenly like the big club says, yeah, come two of you come play with us. And that team's like, well, we got six and that guy's sick. Like again, awkward. Yeah. If a two-way player appears in more than two Overwatch League matches in a one-month period, so 30 days, they are no longer eligible to play in contenders for 60 days. <laughs> and that period of ineligibility begins or resets upon the player appearing in their third Overwatch League match within a 30-day period. So if they play in a third, the 60-day counter starts com over completely. Any two-way player competes in more than 50% of the team's total maps played in a 2020 season will be ineligible to complete, uh, compete in contenders during the off-season period. 
A uh, maximum of four two-way players may compete in a single contenders match, uh, which is an increase from the cap of two right now. Uh, after appearing in over any Overwatch League match, two-way players are ineligible to compete in contenders matches for the following week. <laughs> so if they play on Thursday, they can't compete in contenders until the following Thursday. Uh, and then two-way players may compete in contenders prior to the start of the 2020 uh, season if they happen to be Overwatch League rookies or if they competed in fewer than two owl matches in stage four of 2019. So like, I guess again, we're now starting to see all of these different conditions, but you gotta be a lawyer. Well, it's a pro league, right? With the big bucks. That's, that's, that's true. what we're, they're, they're trying to become. And, and that would be a great place to start looking at a player's union and some kind of a collective bargaining agreement or something like that. But, uh, yeah, they're pushing towards the right direction. People always like to compare it to the NBA, NHL, MLB, but um, this is just the second season. A lot of these things, you need you need the fundamentals uh, set before you can start building that building, right? Yeah. So that's that's a step in the right direction. It was super interesting. I'm I'm sure that um, a lot of uh, our listeners would love to like rewind now and listen to that entire uh, explanation again and take notes. So feel free to do so right now. Yeah, either that or Sam <laughs> just played this podcast on the loudspeakers to put the bears to sleep. Oh, one of the other options, your option, my option, not sure. Um, let's get into something more interesting. So the PTR patch that we spoke about in the last episode, which had a ton of changes, some small, some big, uh, but a ton of changes. Well, it's changed again. So there's actually been a, a number of updates. I'm just going to sort of recap quite quickly what we see. The first update, uh, the mini diva alt cost has been reduced by 12%. That makes sense because if you think about it, when diva D she has to cast her alt again to get her mech back. Well, as all alts across the board had their cost increased by 12%, this meant you were now in mini diva jail longer than was probably hmm. practical. I don't think getting your mech back as diva um, is all that big of a deal. And let's be quite frank in competitive, when you're mini diva, mini diva, you're running to the nearest edge of the map to jump off as quick as you can. So that, that, that adjustment matters very little. So she's going back to where it was prior to the PTR update. I mean, when you're an attack and you're alting, it's still dangerous as a mini diva. If you've, if you uh, have all those Genjis and tracers now with the roll lock uh, out there. Uh, but I was always pushing to give uh baby diva self self-destruct again. They should totally look into that. <laughs> she throws herself in and boom. Oh, yeah. Um, Symmetra, her teleporter and, uh, and, and reuse of teleporter time is back to where it was, uh, prior to the PTR. So, um, we had talked a little bit about, it took, uh, like a half second longer to reuse it. Well, it's back down to the second and, and the actual, uh, ability to cast teleport back to, to where it was. Again, a small tweak. And I think this is more quality of life. Uh, wrecking ball minefield, uh, his projectile is now, uh, down to 12 from where it was at 13, but keep in mind his projectile speed was actually 10 previously. Is that just a spe- speed adjustment? I think it's a speed adjustment. Uh, um, I, the minefield projectile speed, uh, um, I think it's the shooting, like the, the time it oh. takes to shoot out 
uh, in the distance you know, it does, but I don't play them well enough to truly understand the impact there. I will forever be uh, salty about this um, ultimate because when we played the dragons in the final and John went into that in lighthouse in Ilios, he went into the point and he went up that little chimney at the top and he ulted and those freaking mine mines got stuck in the chimney for no apparent reason. And ever since then I'm like, Nope, that, that ult I don't like it. It's broken. <laughs> They should just drop. And if they touch something, they just... Well, you are right. Because, you know, physics in the Overwatch uh, uh, (laughs) platform is perfectly on par with the rest of the world. Um, The (laughs) big change since the PTR has rolled out is Mora, she's no longer invincible. So for those of you who are really freaking out that, oh my God, Moira can now fade out of everything. Well, rest assured... She can no longer fade out of stuns. If she gets knocked down, she can't fade out of that. So she's fade out of sleep. Yeah, she's back to sleeping, falling down, being stunned like every other character can, whether fade is on cooldown or not. I agree that that is probably the smarter decision. I never do you. Well, okay. I, I like playing Moira. And when I saw this, I was probably one of the people who is most happy about it because I. Okay, first and foremost, last night's an exception. I was playing Moira as DPS. Normally, I use Moira as, as the role she's supposed to be support. And when I flip over to DPS, it's more if I need to because, you know, the, the situation or scenario requires it. By giving me the ability to go and fade pretty much out of the one means to slow me down, CC, that made me a more powerful support than I probably needed to be. So I, I have no problem with this. I think, again, I don't know anyone out there who was going out there and saying, oh, Moira, I can't believe she can't fade out of stun. Yeah. Like, if- it's like that meme. Everyone says nothing. Overwatch developers give uh, Moira that ability. Yeah, it, it was, you know. It was weird. Anywho, uh, those are the changes that are currently in the PTR. As we know with each and every episode, uh, the moment we publish it, all this other news will break out. They're going to announce like, you know, um, 20 Overwatch new heroes two. tomorrow. Overwatch, Overwatch 2. two. Yeah, all that's going to come out, uh, you know, tomorrow, you know, minutes before we publish or an hour after. But uh, here we are wrapping up another fantastic episode of the podcast. Uh, Omni, uh, any final words of wisdom or thoughts of uh, uh, yours that you'd like to share with our listeners? I just want to shed a tear as I miss the creativity before Rolock. <laughs> that that Haxel break. <laughs> I just can't. Okay. I'd like to point out the creativity was the... I like to see four and five DPS out. I enjoyed the chaos that ensued, but I am fine with sort of where two, two, two is. Me too. Um, I do miss, uh, you know, OG Overwatch where you'd be like on Hanamura and six Winstons come flying over. Oh, no thanks. (laughs) (laughs) If you've never, like for those of you go and play no limits in the arcade and you're like, man, this is crazy. Try that in the OG world. Now there were ways to counter, but like there was some crazy situations. Like, yeah, six Winstons on Hanamura. They all come flying over Tesla everywhere. Um, people picking fun DPS characters, just melting. Divas. Oh God. At one point I remember, and I, this is back like with the weird alt costs and that is you'd have like diva nukes being tossed just constant. Yeah. The, I remember the, the, whoops, I'm breaking things here. Oh, 
Was that a diva old there? Yeah, I I threw diva off the edge. <laughs> I remember the quad Winston double Lucio. It was oh. unbeatable. The the good thing about the the old diva alt though is that she couldn't just sort of stand there and and selfie because right. she'd die too. Like you know, it's interesting how as Overwatch as a game has has evolved, every so often players can still hurt themselves. Which always seems odd to me because every time they introduce a hero that can, you know, at some point in time, they're going to like, actually, we got to stop hurting, hurting them. Uh, Junkrat, he used to be able to blow himself up. The only thing that he was safe from were his mines, but his primary mm. would damage him. Uh, a diva alt would kill her. Everyone else could stand there and have a picnic, but she had to go and hide. So at some point in time, when will dynamite stop hurting Ash? When will Zarya no longer be able to to damage herself or like even Diva with the missile? You know, this is going to change at some point. Like, oh, whatever. Anyhow. Well, at least Bastion doesn't have a shield anymore. This is true. Oh, God. Yeah, OG Bastion. For those, and this was this is back in the beta. He used to have like a, a Rhine shield that essentially turned when he was in turret form. Anyhow, uh, my final thoughts, uh, again, just going back to what we talked about at the start of the episode, please, if you have some ideas about things that we could provide you, uh, you know, that might incentivize you to, to join this exclusive community, please let us know what it is. Uh, as well, if you happen to not yet have smashed that subscribe button to this podcast and you reach this point, please do so. Uh, the biggest thing that you can do to help you know, move our podcast forward is to subscribe to it and to tell your friends, family members, uh, all your social channels, all about it so that we can, again, you know, grow the size, the force of nature faithful um, through each and every episode that we publish. I'd also like to point out that uh, we are tracking numbers and we're getting close to a big 5,000. Uh, so please stay tuned for that because we will be sharing you uh, that success and hopefully you'll be able to celebrate it with us. Uh, when we do i do hope that and, oops sorry go ahead and please leave a review that's free oh reviews are free uh we haven't had a review in a while and as i am apt to mention i will read your review verbatim good reviews bad reviews moderate reviews doesn't matter i will read them uh if you happen to leave it on uh, the apple podcast store i will be able to get it grab it automatically read it there if you leave it somewhere else um, shoot us a, a message on Twitter or by email just to say, Hey, I dropped a review. Here it is. Cause those ones I try my best to find, but sometimes I, I do miss them. Uh, the last thing, uh, that I will share is we do plan on doing more events. Um, as I said, we want to do some more uh, in-game events. We can have some fun. Uh, we make fun of each other for anyone who doesn't be, you know, ha- doesn't happen to be wearing a Vancouver Titan skin, even though I get it, you know, they cost money if you, need to spend and I don't have all Vancouver Titan skins, but you know, it's all in, in, in good, uh, good form to, to give each other uh, a little trouble. I do it with Sam each and every week, even when he's not here, I make fun of him and call him names. <laughs> but on behalf of the missing in action, Sam at another Sam Chan on the at Omni strife and myself, Chris at light force. Let's sign off with those magical two words. Catchphrase. we